Jill, ask them what they think about Supervillain. That sounds better to me. More exciting. Do you prefer saving America? How about saving the world? Nope. It's saving America. Hello and welcome back to the third season of Podcast V, Pod Clubhouse's coverage of The Boys as presented by Amazon Prime. I'm joined again with Kat from the Latinx Lens Podcast. How are you, Kat? Good. Happy to be back. Happy to have you. Uh, we most recently podcasted about Snowpiercer. That seems like a distant, far off memory now, even though it was probably yes. like a month ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we've brought along with us fellow Taylor Inez. How are you doing, Inez? Hi, thank you for letting me join you. What a fun, what a fun new ride um, that, <laughs> that we're about to embark on here. So appreciate the invite to join you both. Well, you know, when I told you it's like a superhero show, but completely fucked up, you were like, yes, give me more of that. So uh... <laughs> you fucking delivered, Paul. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, season three, we are going to cover the first three episodes in this one podcast. We're not going to try to make this an overnighter, but it may run a little long. We want to put out the content so that it matches up with that day one drop. Episodes one, two, and three. First one is called Payback. Do you guys catch the, the titles of the of the other two? Yes. The second one is called The Only Man in the Sky. Episode three is Barbary Coast. I think uh, Only Man in the Sky, that one's pretty obvious what that one's alluding to. It's <laughs> Homelander thinks he's God. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> I got that like one. Always. Got that one. All right, guys. Let's pick up with where are we now as we start the third season of The Boys. Let's start with the whole fallout from Stormfront being outed as a Nazi and Homelander getting caught up in the media, the frenzy that came from that. Do you think he, he did actually love her? I do. I think that, um, I mean, he had already murdered like his like one other like love person in season one. And he was totally into her all throughout this last season, as far as like I can tell. <laughs> So, and then our fucked up scene that we walked into <laughs> yeah. in episode one, where she is, in fact, still alive. And um, I, I think that he did genuinely really love her Well, and, in his own fucked up way. And walk up jack off machine. Um, there's that element, too. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that that scene probably made me really notice Seth Rogen's name in the credits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as an executive producer. I well, I know you're like, a Preacher you know, fan, and he produced Preacher, too. So, yes, Preacher's not like this. <laughs> no. Preacher's fucked up in his own right in a really amazing way, but this is on a whole other level. And in this universe and what I know so far about Homelander, being a test tube baby, being homegrown in a laboratory environment, this kind of seems on par with what he would believe is genuine love. This, this show <laughs> likes to poke fun at... At lots of stuff all at once and it has to exist alongside our world which is rife with cancel culture 
Now, they don't really address that exactly per se, although they are constantly monitoring popularity numbers and trends and reporting on that. And that in turn motivates the heroes for what they want to do next. Is it a little little maybe off that the most powerful man in the world isn't canceled for having um, a Nazi girlfriend? Yeah, maybe people didn't want to believe it or maybe they... Um because he is a man maybe it's like they they sort of like oh it was probably her you know she was the nazi not him and in, in the public side I, I keep trying to remind myself when watching the show that what we know about them the public in that world knows about like what homelander is capable of so mm, in their true. eyes he is this wholesome savior kind of hero that sort of thing um and then stormfront probably they've been making her seem like oh she just was like manipulative and you know he was thought it was true love and blah blah so like when he's going on on the on the circuit trying to explain himself like i think it would make sense you know that they would kind of forgive or his approval would be low but that he wouldn't be canceled because why would he be canceled he fell in love everyone falls in love with the wrong person once in a while you know like this one was real bad but i guess it would be more of a question of like how did you not know but then you know i think it's that universal love thing where people are like huh i kind of get it you know if they've had an experience like that where the person didn't turned out to be um i mean not a nazi but something bad (laughs) so i feel like that wasn't um surprising that they didn't like not forgive him and then also there's like no one to take his place really you know like he is homelander and so i feel like there also wasn't someone where he could be like oh you did this thing let's give it to somebody else right 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 to kind of take that spot which is i think why Vought couldn't do that and like cancel him outright. That's sort of an unspoken part of of cancel culture, right? Is that in all those cases that someone is canceled for either big uh, real reasons or small made up in the moment reasons, there is someone that you could just like slot into that quote unquote spot, whether they're an actor, director, a politician, whatever they were, there's more or less some fungible kind of person. (laughs) You can just slot Mm -hmm. back in to that role for Kevin Spacey. I mean, they did it. Uh, Christopher Plummer even won an Oscar for it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's probably a good part of the equation that that has to be appreciated that probably isn't stated. And also we know that he can basically go and kill everyone if he wanted to, as stated in the third episode. Right, yeah. Vought knows they, they can't really get rid of him, so they had to go on the defensive and let him kind of play this out because i mean he values popularity love of the people more than anything so he's doing it willingly in that sense to kind of get that back but he also could just go on a rampage as you mentioned so yeah that's also like a big thing that we can't like they don't know either oh we'll (laughs) get get canceled we'll try to get to his mentality but a little bit later but before that let's move on to huey who seems to be riding high now that he has some semblance of a life assembled. He's working for the Federal Bureau of, what is it, Superhuman Affairs, the FBSA, with Congressperson Victoria Newman. And he's got girlfriend uh, Starlight, and that's all working out just fine. Seems like he's in, in the best place he's ever been in this whole show. Until he finds out one thing or another. Um, <laughs> so it's the uh, uncovering that Victoria is, in fact, the head popper from last season that opens up a whole can of worms for this poor guy. 
I really liked this stark contrast of who Huey is here in the opener of season three versus the Huey that we saw in the opener of season one, right? Like he was a nobody, just not really respected by like anybody who, by anybody except for maybe his girlfriend, like not even his dad, I felt like really respected him. Uh, And here he is like just balling it up in a beautiful apartment that is like his place. I thought at first he was rooming it up with Starlight, but no, that's like his spot. Like that's big difference. He's not living with his dad. He's admired by his colleagues at work. Like they whisper like hero stories about him, like right, what, yeah. of, of the things that they admire. So I really love that whole like intro part for him, even though I knew right. End of season two, we already knew who the head popper was. So it's like an interesting contrast then, or maybe it's a foreshadowing or, or uh, some other kind of metaphor when he, he can't open the jar and it cuts his hand because <laughs> he bashes it. It's it's like he's become impotent again. Yeah, because yeah. he's really like frustrated, really frustrated over that. He finally had one year, right? He's only had one year of like stability and it's like going away really rapidly. Mm-hmm. It's like his powers are fading, fading, fading. <laughs> Another guy whose powers have faded is Billy Butcher working um in his old job for the CIA, his team looks like it's just Frenchie and uh, Kimiko. I don't know if Kimiko is officially on the team, but she does get to hang out with them and and works with them. As she later admits, she's just there because Frenchie's there. But still, that's pretty good. Interesting, the dynamic there has shifted. Now, Billy Butcher has to has to kiss the ring and Huey's wearing it. Yeah, that was a fun dynamic to see Billy play that out and was it like you know it's not going to last though. Like it <laughs> right. all, everything just feels odd like you know you mentioned Huey and like you know he was doing well and you're like but it's the boys like of course that's not going to last. So um and then like I think it was it in the second season where we kind of see I mean second episode Billy even we even see a little semblance of him kind of giving up, you know, where he was just like fuck it, I can't do this because he doesn't have Huey. So it's like we also see him without Huey in a way like right by his side like he has had him in the other seasons but it doesn't last long so um yeah but I'm excited to kind of see more of of the dynamic now that like Huey's on board with the Billy method <laughs> the last situation I wanted to look at impels our our the beginning of the third season is the American hero show that they've created to fill the open two spots on the seven vacated by Noir and Stormfront. The Deep and Stormfront. No, noir, it was Deep was noir already gone. Not on there anymore. No, it was it was Noir is uh, I think they, it was just like a passing comment, but they mentioned that he's a vegetable or or, or something, but he's um he's oh, he's, yeah. he's not totally... functional. Okay, good to know. I <laughs> when I saw this, I thought this might even be the most cynical look at the idea of superheroics in the boys world i mean using a call-in tv show (laughs) you know or or more like a a talent reality show to fill the spots of the people who are supposed to be this world's like justice league members how did it seem to you guys to that that they wanted to use like american idol but to but for superheroes um it felt like that was part of the the scheme of kind of making it palatable 
to everything that happened with Stormfront and Homelander and distracting people. And I, and I, and I mean, I watched, I watch, I have watched some of the shows, like, you know, the reality shows and stuff, but then it becomes the same over and over again. So I don't really watch those anymore. Like the ones that are like, you become the next, whatever. <laughs> it right. seems kind of like, it's more about the show than actually like, does that person even go on to be right. whatever? Like has, has a single even... winner of the voice yeah, made it exactly. on the radio. I don't know any of them. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And, and so this one seems like that, like it's literally just filler to make it exciting to get like in the popularity of you know the the public and those people are just going to be fillers there's not going to be anybody notable um that's going to actually have any stake in you know like any um they're just going to be puppets so oh, right yeah. but, I, but i found it funny though i was just like this is awesome <laughs> yeah i mean i recently like man over the last month my husband and i have binged ink master because i just got i just realized that i have paramount plus and all the ink masters on there and i'm like oh man i used to love watching this show all the time so we've been binging it i'm like fresh off of watching the last three seasons of the show where it's like uh like pack up your ink and you know and close shop is like their phrase or something like that. That's, that's their, uh, what is it, put out your, your tiki torch or whatever it is. That's their version. Right. <laughs> right. And so they're like, hang up your cape. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And cape. so, um, so that, I think that made it like, really fucking hilarious to me that this is how they're doing it but it's also cat just said like totally like what we have to control like and manipulate how people feel about this whole mess of a situation and damage control of everything that's like happened so this is just like a really like it's funny and hilarious to us who like know what's happening on the full story but reality is is i feel like there is, is this a very like real kind of like real life tactics too on you know big kind of things and uh and so i i could definitely see it being satirical in just kind of poking fun at the average like american consumer well and combining that with the lip service vaught who is apparently behind everything in this universe they at their vaught land or vaught world whatever the amusement park was they made sure that the camera pointed out the names of all the various uh snack stores like woke walk lgbt lgbt turkey blm blts uh they'll they'll name a sandwich after equal rights but but they won't actually put it into the the show because it was never up for discussion really adding the women of color to the team it wasn't i mean that didn't get anywhere at all it's like the when starlight is saying that um i forgot what her name silver was, kincaid but, i think was yeah silver uh, kincaid and it's like she's the most qualified like she saved the most and they're like oh that doesn't matter like <laughs> I was like, oh, God. So that was definitely commentary on, you know, how society works. Right. This is how society says it wants to work, but then there's how society actually works is, is I think, what they're trying to expose there. All right. Do you have anything else uh, that you guys thought might be foundational for for how this show gets, you know, shoved off in the direction it's going to go? Billy and the kid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like that's going to brew something throughout the season. Let's hit the old characters catch up. There's a bunch of old characters that have that have story that have not come into the forefront of the show yet, but they do exist and they are worth mentioning. So as you just mentioned, uh, Ryan is, if you recall, listener, is Becca's son with Homelander. And he has started to develop his powers as shown at the end of last season. 
he is on the, not on the run, but living in hiding with uh, Colonel Grace. And they move from safe house to safe house in an attempt to stay away from anywhere that Homelander can figure out where they're at. I found it surprising, given the the kind of the sign off that Billy gave Ryan at the end of last season, if you recall his advice. Um, it, it seemed like semi-final. So I was surprised to to see that they were actually staying in touch with Zoom calls and stuff. What did you guys think about all that? I was surprised because of how adamant he's been about his disinterest in being a parent and whatnot, you know, toward the end. And then even like after his wife's passing, you know, the end of season two, he really just did like, here's a handoff, right? Like he's, he, I didn't see that in my head as like him taking care of, of the kid because he handed off to somebody else to take care of the kid. Um, so I was surprised and I thought it was really sweet. And I feel like he does have like a genuine, like care about it. Maybe his relationship with Huey had something to do to do with that it was not it was unexpected but i'm not i don't feel like it is entirely out of character possibly just because season two made a point of showing us that butcher kind of does have more to more depth than what he likes to portray he's a peculiar guy because he's willing to on the one hand he has those feelings but on the other hand he's willing to shelve those feelings and say and do horrible things that you wouldn't ordinarily do to or with people with whom you have a loving relationship, you know, in order to, to keep them safe, he'll say terrible things so that they, so that they feel like they want to keep their distance from him. Like at the end of season or not season at the end of episode three, when he makes little Ryan's eyes glow with lasers. Mm, (laughs) I, I, I don't actually think that he felt like he didn't want to look at Ryan anymore. It was that he wanted Ryan to not look at him anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ryan was a, is a puppy because obviously he lost his mom horribly. I mean, he, you know, he was the responsible for that. And then, um, uh, not on purpose though, but, and then his dad is Homelander. And so I feel like he's just a ticking time bond to be honest. Like every time he comes on the screen, he makes me nervous and I know something's going to happen later. <laughs> like I have a feeling with him, Billy, like I understand he, like I know said, like he's doesn't have that paternal, like any, like any type of feeling. I think he could, if it was a different world if he had been with becca maybe like if he doesn't have to be so rough but like i i think like he in in the way he is now like i, can, I don't think he can keep it up and then i with someone like ryan like who is so unstable right now like and is like a super kid and homelander's kid like i'm surprised like he wouldn't want to keep it up because like he could go off and be with homelander and then homelander will raise that kid you know so like and then he'll break like kind of the becca his promise to Becca of like, you know, taking care of him. So I don't know what's going through his mind, but one thing, I guess it's sort of a theory. I know it's early, but he was on the V, um, you know, like he took it. And so I was wondering like, was that really Billy pushing him away? Because he was saying a lot of weird things in episode three. Like, I feel like it was out of character for him in some ways. And so I was wondering if that was the side effects of him taking that. Good question, because there were there were some side effects of of using the the drug that were unadvertised, and one of those was that it didn't wear off nearly as fast 
as they told him it would. There was all the physical withdrawal type stuff, the pain, the barfing, the other stuff. Lots of questions about that, but I didn't even consider the other impact, whether it's pain driven or withdrawal driven or just the side effect of the mm-hmm. of the medicine affecting his emotional state. That's a good Yeah, like a roid rage type of thing. Yeah, right. Because I feel like he said that and then he kind of like stopped and like instead of apologizing, like he kind of just let it go. But it felt like he didn't like he wanted to think it more than say it. Maybe that's me reading into it, but I, I hope that that kind of feels out because it makes sense. Like if you're in void, void range or whatever, doesn't that change your emotional state? Like you become more aggressive or other yeah. drugs too. like you change as a person. And then if this is supposed to enhance you, this is just enhancing Billy's like, you know, he can say really mean things and in a way that hurts. So um, but with the kid, I'm sure he kind of would be restrained, but it feels like maybe he couldn't he couldn't um, restrain himself from saying what he actually meant because of that. I hadn't considered that, but totally works. I mean, with even with just my own, our world experience using normal medications um, that are meant to help you in one way or the other. But if you need to come off that medication or it's not the right medication for you, I can attest to the idea of like irritability or emotional thresholds uh, changing <laughs> as a result of either using or coming off of, of, of a given medication. So good call, Kat. I hadn't even thought of that because we have so much to talk about. I'm going to move on to my next character because she's short. Queen Maeve barely even shows up, but interesting that she is a mole for Billy Butcher now. Do you guys have any interest in seeing them continue to expand her story beyond just the no one knows she's a lesbian from from last season? <laughs> or or is it just not? I, we're just not going to get much of, of Maeve's story. What do you guys think? It is curious that she has barely been present at all. I don't even think she was in episode three. I can't even really remember much about her in episode two. So I must have just been so far episode one where she is this source Mm -hmm. um, for the boys legal tactical team. And she's briefly at the at the movie premiere. She tries to take Mm -hmm. up that position supplication type female position that she normally has behind Homelander, putting her elbow on his shoulder or whatever it is to be like, that's my guy or whatever the persona is supposed to be for her. And he just, he just walks off kind of foretelling Mm -hmm. the stunt he's going to pull. Yeah. And then they completely bypassed her as an option for Mm, co-captain from like an organizational level, even though she's like a veteran who's been there much longer than Starlight has. And so, um, yeah, it's kind of curious to see what Vaught is planning to do with her Mm -hmm. because it feels like maybe it's like an intentional pigeonholding to make her obsolete and, and we'll see. Um, or I don't know, maybe they somehow know that she's involved and we don't know that yet. Yeah. You know, that she's oh, been involved in that because we know how expansive and complex this relationship now is between that tactical force group's governing agency and Vought. So they're actually married in a way instead of being like opposing forces like the public is supposed to believe. So who knows if they have information and that's probably could be a reason why we're experiencing so little of her. But very interesting because now there's she has no more leverage then over Homelander 
if, mm-hmm. as we saw in episode three, if he said, tell Starlight to her face, and he doesn't give a fuck that she's that that they have that video, and he'll just like destroy the world because he can. That makes me a little bit nervous about Maeve's future now. Just like being alive, kind of nervous, not her career kind of way. I guess he came to terms with like, oh, fuck it. Like, if you do this, then I'm going to do this was interesting. And I think it really did feel like that was like the it it was an episode three where they kind of, you know, that like kicks off the season of like, okay, he is a time bomb. Like he is just, you know, like a ticking time bomb of like what he wants to do. And he can do like he says, whatever the fuck he wants. Um, (laughs) And yeah, it kind of got me thinking because he's making Starlight's life a living hell, as we saw. I would think he would also want to do that with Maeve. I wonder how she's going to play into this. I mean, they did try to team up at the end of last season to kind of take him down. But like, I don't know. I feel like she 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 has to come back in some way because um, she's pretty powerful, too. I don't want that to be the last that we see of her. Me neither. Yeah. I'm interested in her or in her in her story because she's been there the whole time, but always holding back. And th- with the story even three episodes in um, to the third season here, feeling at, like it's at a, it's at a very quick pace i feel like what are you holding back for now like because i don't know what an end looks like for this story or this show Mm -hmm. but this isn't not the kind of story that would just kill her and she would have never done anything leaving her completely unfulfilled i think the show could very well do that um but I i would hate to see it happen at the same time although this the theme seems to be this season that people aren't holding back so I think we're True. seeing people that have held back or they're basically bottling up things like Starlight is now and some other characters. So I feel like we're going to get everyone just like going all out and trying everything. So maybe Maeve will come back guns a blazing. Like maybe she's doing her own research and trying to figure out how to defeat Homelander. Because that's the ultimate goal that everyone wants to do. Like even the people, the powers that be probably would want to get rid of him, but they don't know how. <laughs> well, you can't make a move until you know you yeah. can't. Yeah, so I feel like maybe that's, if she's brewing that, then that would be awesome. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Let's move on to Mother's Milk. He is starting the show, not in Butcher's group. He is divorced from his wife, living outside the family home. And we finally get a glimpse into what has been his motivating force this whole time. Why he even joined up with Butcher in the first place was they haven't spelled it out exactly but we've been given enough to know that his family got caught up in some action of soldier boys. Given all of those like headlines and clippings that he had in his little obsession area <laughs> in, in, uh, in the closet, it looks like they were more or less probably collateral damage. Soldier Boy was doing something else and they got caught in the middle of it and some of them died. The way that he said something about his father still had two living children sounds like maybe he had some siblings that didn't make it through whatever this was. That was his driving force to act against soups. And now that soldier boy's uh, background and everything is back on the table. Now he's very interested in getting that all sorted out. Um, last season, Kat and I, I don't know if you know this, Ines, but Kat and I believed Mother's Milk may have been on the chopping block. Never even got close, really. <laughs> really. But but I was thinking he was vulnerable most of last season because they started to tell us more that he was a 
family man had a kid trying to do all this stuff to protect them and all that kind of stuff. Do you still think he's vulnerable this season, Kat? Or maybe you think, nah, nah, he's okay. We're maybe others that are vulnerable, but probably not him. Well, I think if the show wants to keep things interesting, I hope everyone is vulnerable. So I feel like he would probably be one that um, could be on the chopping block, especially given that this story is focusing on Soldier Boy that is so connected with him. So I feel like that always puts you, you know, it's like the TV trope. Like if you're in it, you're there. So I feel like he could be. So maybe I'll be wrong again, but I feel like he could be just because he's so invested. He's going to leave his daughter again. His wife, I mean, his ex-wife just told him, make sure you come back to her, which is like, you know, the words that signal you may not come back. <laughs> exactly. But then that would be too obvious. So maybe it's going to be another character that we that's more beloved. And if they do kill him, I mean, it would it would mean that like they're willing to kind of take out main character i mean he's not like a main character but he is he has been there since the beginning so it would make it more interesting because if they don't kill anyone that's notable in this season i don't know it's gonna feel a little bit like come on guys like what are you doing (laughs) yeah well that's a good point i mean they're willing to show us very vulgar graphic uh spectacle but more or less the main characters have been plot armored from it okay that's very interesting though like i did not suspect so I wasn't part of your crisis conversation and I didn't, unfortunately, did not get a chance to listen to the first two seasons of your <sighs> podcast. I know. And it was on my to-do list, but you caught me when I'm out of town. I'm sorry. I was at Disneyland, guys. It's good shit, Dennis. <laughs> I know. I'm, I just, it's on my list. I promise I'm going to go back and I'm going to be a better partner. I swear to you. But I didn't hear <laughs> that. And I did not actually get any kind of vibe that he was vulnerable. Maybe it was wishful hoping because Eminem actually, like, as I was taking mental notes, watching this to catch up in preparation for this conversation when i watched these one two he's one of my favorites i love him so <laughs> much he's my favorite okay so there it is Evan's my favorite character on here and my suspicion that i had at the end of season two was like i wonder if there's like some kind of like maybe he is like a soup and like d- nobody knows it or something or like or i don't know like potentially some kind of connection with somebody either himself or his family that like like actually do have like a soup power that like was never manifested or something. I don't know. Just with the kind of like the vibe I was getting from the conversations and the discovery of these different, like, you know, how they did the children and all that stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. so that was my theory. I've thrown that theory out since starting season three, because now I understand like his whole thing is because I thought, oh, what a strange name, right? Mother's milk sounds like it could have been like, like we're going to name him that like, that's going to be his soup's name. <laughs> No, um, and um, but yeah. So now I understand that uh, it's part of this like deeper story of like some deeper hurt, and we're seeing like how that really impacts him physically, mentally. I like seeing these different displays of uh, OCD behavior. If there's any of them out of all of them, he would be the one that has OCD. So like that makes sense to me. It's not totally out of character that he's exhibiting this kind of thing, but um, I am going to remove him from the chopping block potential because I cannot <laughs> accept this. No, I love him so much. I would cry so badly. You know who someone who might be on the chopping block this season is Kimiko in that 
her backstory was really settled last season and she doesn't seem to have much of a purpose this season she even says she wants to leave she wants to get out of the the game she wants to go with Frenchie and not do this anymore but she's hanging out because Frenchie's still there to me that makes her shiny and ripe for bad things to happen to her what do you guys think about Kimiko and this her prospects this season you know they have been showing her having a lot lot of like sad displays right like she's carving fuck out of the on on the table she's like wants to have a childhood and then is like super upset with herself for how things happened at the amusement park um in front of those children and, and how that impacts the children and i think that that theory has merit you know being it could one of these storylines of you know she's kind of dwindling doesn't feel like she has much of a purpose anymore doesn't want to have a purpose other than just be happy and exist happily and i think that's really fair thing to want and i agree that does sound like a great time to kill somebody in a show like this right um, that's only three days know. from retirement right <laughs> right you know and and then like in picture like okay she's like makes some kind of crossroads and decides yeah you know i found my person purpose i'm gonna do this and then yeah like they offer i think i think it's totally possible i really like her but they do use her completely only as a tool i mean obviously they're all like there for right. to be a, a tool on this tactical team right. but Rough it's like up. break my arm but yeah Just... she's literally like literally huey doesn't even like hang out with them right and he walks in and like three minutes in like can we go i need you to break my arm like okay and then like go do it so i i can see yeah good theory i'd be sad to see her go but there's all the narrative hallmarks of of vulnerability there i'm afraid her love interest frenchy doesn't have a ton going on until he gets a call from shelly some former lover perhaps connected to his old life in a in a russian gang um and she asks for help and even kind of like you want to come with me and he's like nah i don't know i'm, I'm not over I, I didn't even have any like follow-up questions for for frenchie's story is there anything of interest to that bit because it always seemed like frenchie was in it for i don't know some kind of excitement or maybe escape from something else which maybe that you know he didn't want to be with the rush gang and, and working with the cia or butcher's group offered him at least some kind of other life um where he could do what he does but not under the thumb of the russian gang but yeah i mean over i'm not overly invested in frenchie's part of it in this season i i i would hope you know if he was my friend i'd say uh, yeah why not just take kimiko wants to go you don't really have much to do here anyway Let, you just go yeah they're both looking expendable i think they don't really have anything right now no so. well I mean, can we talk about episode one? I think Frenchie had one of the most entertaining scenes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he had something to do there. Or not really. He came into that. <laughs> Unintended. <laughs> uh, I tend to agree with you, though. I mean, uh, termites, um, big uh, coming out party, you mean to say? Uh, 
Oh my God. At first when he said like, you know, the guy was like, okay, get in there, whatever. I was like, okay. And then once he started like kind of feeling his nose and like, you know, like there was something icky in there. And then I was like, oh no, what if he like, you know, and then it happened and I was like, oh my God. Super gross. And do you think they had to build like a giant penis for him to climb into or was that just a visual effect? I mean, there had to probably some slime or something. I don't know. We're going to have to look up. I mean, the technology exists and we've got, we've seen like similar types of apparatuses in like growing up watching like the Nickelodeon show where they yes, had like, the slime. you know, all that slime <laughs> going through the tubes and all that stuff. Like that's, it's not, I bet that's where they got their inspiration that they could make such a product. Honey, but yeah, kids. I mean, I, <laughs> so that scene, I like spent way more time than I care to admit, just like staring at a penis hole and like looking at my like pinky finger, like my fingernail and trying to determine how tiny termite man like had to be to fit through said penis hole. And <laughs> so you put a lot like, of brain power into this. That was, that was a lot of like a really interesting creative headspace that this show put me in like right it like i think this scene was like the second scene of episode one but still kind of in like the opener you know what's weird inez and cat is is that we we had to watch the pre-release screener which had what i'm assuming to be very temporary effects yes that was tripping me out through these three episodes too like everything is like kind of unpolished because we yeah. got in like i guess they're still finishing it so i'm like is that supposed to look like that or is this this so it's just it's weird well, yeah and you see like the background is not done yet and, the, the and the big question is am i going to watch the finished yeah. penis oh my god yeah i was thinking that too i was like i want to go back and see but i don't know if i can handle that again Oh man, guys. Okay. So the answer to that question for me is yes. Like I, <laughs> like, as I, I did like after that explosion happened after the sneeze and, and the everything exploding, I paused it and I was in fucking shock. I was shell shocked. I was just like, had my hands on my mouth and I was just wide eyed looking at Steven, looking at the screen, looking at Steven, looking at the screen. And I was just completely taken aback by this. And I really enjoyed that this show did that for me. Like, cause I don't get that kind of experience that often. And it's so fucking bizarre and it's not something that anybody could casually come up. And so it did make me ponder what was the thinking room, the creative room when all these writers and people were coming together about what is a really fucking badass crazy mind-blowing way to open up a season of the, the boys that matches the vibe of exactly what to expect to set the tone for the rest of, of, of the season and I thought that was probably like one of the most brilliant ways to like do that and yes I did spend a lot of time thinking about physically, logistically, like how this like had to physically happen because I do always think in random perspectives. <laughs> I do a lot of intrinsic thinking, like in my body, I picture like red blood cells, like, okay, if I'm like eating this, having this medicine and, and I'm feeling this way and I'm like really intrinsically looking at like, what does it look like in my body? Like physically look like from a physiological standpoint. So and then your eyes flick I over love... to Steven and then you're like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so so going to this scene and I'm 
was like excited in like a this is so crazy um kind of immersion way of like wow is this like what it probably does look like inside a, a penis hole like i don't fucking know i've never spent time thinking about it before i'm not a man i you know maybe if i was a man i probably would have spent more time having curiosities like mm. about that i might not know i might actually know more about the penis if i was a man but to me it tickled a curiosity that i didn't know that i needed and i loved it i fucking loved and hated that scene (laughs) well and then my husband also brought up a point of like well wouldn't it like kind of hurt inside like you know like would that even be pleasurable but i don't know i wouldn't know (laughs) well now he now he has a possibility of like oh maybe it doesn't hurt if like there's a little, the tiny little man, pe- yeah. little tiny man <laughs> just like caressing the inside of my penis. It might actually feel really fucking good. Like now we know that that possibility exists and we didn't know that we needed that information. My stomach is <laughs> clenching. Like, like it's like it's like the size of my fist. It's like shrunk down now. You're like Starlight holding her fist. <laughs> exactly. Behind her back. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. Oh, I man. love that we spent like a lot of time breaking down that penis uh, explosion. I feel like it was inevitable yeah and i think that's gonna be like who cares about the plot of the season like that is gonna be you know the talk of the social media realm so well they went big in the season two opener with the whale crash into the beach so they had had to go small (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is and honestly i thought man if they went this intense right now like is this like their best idea because i thought it was brilliant no but then they have another one coming in the Um, third episode yeah we yeah. haven't and gotten then, there like, yet but yeah it still gets crazier and that's like the best part of this is like they didn't even give their best foot right at the right out of the bat and like i think that is what makes this show so fucking fun let's uh okay <laughs> Whew. all right let's take a breath and uh uh scoot over to a train's story Oh my goodness, I could not really be less interested in what's going on with A-Train mm. trying to find his identity. I mean, he's only ever been an ally to our heroes out of his own convenience, out of his own self-interest. And, you know, he's the whole reason that, that Huey is even in the story from blowing up his girlfriend. So the fact that he's having this identity crisis, he can't run anymore without risking dying... It is interesting that his brother is trying to get something on track for him, whether it's a more mundane life as just a guy who might even be a coach of some sort, like his brother is, or even actually acting like a hero. That part of it is a little interesting, but the, but the rest of it, I, I just can't feel sorry for this guy. How do you guys feel when you see the A-Train story come on the screen? It's kind of boring right now. I'm like, uh... It's not as compelling. I mean, I will say like the interactions between him and Homelander. I mean, although it is not PC with like making fun of him because he's fat <laughs> or like, you know, he, <laughs> he, he alludes to that because he's, you know, can't run anymore. Um, although this is the show. It's so, like if you're offended by that, like, I mean, that's the least offensive thing on the show. Right. If, if problematic is in your normal vocabulary, this might not be a show for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, I, I think we're safe. Like the people watching this are definitely of a realm that can take a joke sort of thing, you know, and not look too much into it or know that it's a show making fun of those things exactly yeah 
that was probably the most like exciting thing of like just seeing Homelander really tease him about it. And um, I don't know. I hope they kind of figure it out. But I mean, we were just talking about choppy block people. He is someone who, if he runs, his heart could explode. Will there be sort of maybe since he has been kind of like a self-serving, you know, superhero in the first two um, seasons, could this be a thing where he can kind of maybe redeem himself in a, in a genuine way, not like the deep, you know, like, we'll get into um kind of has faked but like <laughs> somewhere maybe he will have to run at some point during the show to either save himself or save somebody his brother is now in it his family is so like could that also be a stake now or like they get his family involved where he will have to actually save someone because he loves them and then you know he will go kapow if he like you know his heart goes so i feel like that's also another ticking time bomb that they keep talking about like when is his heart gonna go when is his heart you know like if he does this, if he does this. So since there isn't much going on with him, that could be sort of the storyline for him this, this season. I, I agree with like what, what we are saying. I, I though don't feel like he has like any really redeeming qualities about himself. My perspective so far is his purpose as a character in this season is primarily to show the kind of desperate ways that formerly like praised and loved public figures trying to stay relevant, like how with the kind of measures that they go through. And I think it's just being satirical in in that kind of way of reflecting what real life kind of stuff happens. Like he's he's on the seven, but he's rendered pretty much useless and he's trying to stay relevant so that they don't have a reason to replace him. He's trying to gain points with his um with his demographic um, and trying to raise his demographic um, so that he can stay relevant. And it just kind of shows into like the kind of desperation that all of these people are trying to achieve um, to stay relevant and have a good life. Um, and not that they want to be good. Not like Starlight's purpose is like in t- very specifically, like she does want to do good and help people. And that's why she was so popular because it was believable because it was real. I don't even know if Adrian is like capable of, of that kind of thing and i think his uh i think his movie or whatever is his campaign the a train to africa i think that's mm-hmm. supposed to be a reference to shaft in africa um have you guys heard of shaft Mm-mm. oh you guys yeah i've heard of shaft but not the movie <laughs> okay i mean not that not that um africa movie well back in the early 70s there was uh, an era of independent filmmaking called black exploitation. And Shaft was sort of the, the banner carrier for that kind of movie. It it featured uh, black protagonists in black neighborhoods, stories that appealed to that demographic. Shaft was was kind of held up as 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 like the a legit protagonist. He wasn't a superhero or anything. He was, uh, as the song says, a black private dick who's a sex machine with all the chicks. Uh, <laughs> it's right there in the theme song um <laughs> but yeah it was a series of movies and the third one was shaft in africa and i think that's meant to contrast i mean the in that era that community i think liked the the shaft movies they they made at least three of them because uh, shaft in africa was pretty sure the third one and i think that's meant to contrast here the the borrowing what would be a familiar phrase to at least maybe older members of the of the universe mm. um and kind of borrow that credibility and remind you of something that you did like 
yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for that context. Um, now I do want to like kind of go check that out so I can like experience, you know, these scenes again with that kind of that in mind, but that's like really, that's really good context. But yeah, so I, I feel like that's, that's one part of what this character's purpose is. And I think the other part of it is just to kind of keep showing us like who Homelander is, how his mental state is and how it's deteriorating and so that we can like to find it even more believable data as to like that he really is like coming unhinged and you believe him when he's like threatening starlight that he will fuck up the entire earth and i think that that scene becomes more believable because you've seen him be so vicious and behind the scenes of other stuff and and a big and a few times more than once it he they've they've used A-Chain's character to help Homelander display that. I think that's a good call. I mean, every one of their interactions um, illustrated the spiraling descent <laughs> that Homelander had until his uh, end of season or sorry, end of episode two uh, breakdown. And his, it was all partially anyway, through um, the, the comments he would make to A-Train. Another guy suffering at, <laughs> at, at Homelander's hand, who the who the audience can't help but not care about is the Deep. <laughs> it's, oh man! Cat and I have been talking about a possible redemptive arc for the Deep, having started out his whole character's existence on the show by forcing Starlight to give him a blowjob in the Vought uh, boardroom. Is that, is that a redeemable place to come from? You know, is, if that's your starting point and you go through all this religious awakening um, that is super hard to buy as like a really, <laughs> you know, soul encountering kind of experience for him, um, you know, just the whole ironic nature of his name and the <laughs> that he's a super shallow guy. The question has always been, is is not only uh, can he be redeemed, but do we even care? We're still there with him. <laughs> you know, we are yeah. still wondering that with him. It doesn't matter that he is now uh, part of the Seven again by the end of these episodes. Being a member of the Seven is hardly like a, a factor when it comes to making you heroic or, or stand-up person. So in his role on the Seven, do you suppose that he is is there as a as a puppet for homelander or is he just there mainly to intimidate starlight just by having her abuser present constantly it's just and and homelander having been responsible for that his 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 presence there is that really why he's there what do you what do you think we're we're up to with the deep this season yeah i think he's only there because homelander is so sadistic that since starlight chose to be co-captain and is has that well supposed leverage not anymore over him and clearly is not on his team he is just making and and everyone around him like he's just making everyone like there are no friends there um but the deep wanted something from him and you know to get back on the seven he was willing to do anything so he's going to be a puppet but I think also the side thing of that is that he also um, puts 
an obvious obstacle um, with Starlight makes her uncomfortable. So I think Homelander also probably thought it was like a double-edged sword. Because I think before that, like he didn't care about having the deep on the seven. I mean, didn't in the last season, I can't remember, like he, it was like sort of like, no, like you're not coming back. Yeah. I think that's the only reason he's back is to kind of intimidate and um, be just something that can kind of throw Starlight off course, which I think Homelander knows ultimately is trying to get um, to him and, and ruin what hit what he wants like his path to happiness in a way i guess whatever that is i have never really like gagged on a show or watching a show like i, I may will stop eating if i see something gory this one i do not like like i can have calamari if it's like already in the onion ring type thing but i cannot do like we went to spain recently and you know like the paella has the like you know the the true one has like seafood and it has like and i was like oh if it has the little octopuses in its little thing i cannot do it so like my to the my husband we didn't get it so he was kind of bummed because he likes that seafood and he doesn't care about that when that little timothy like thing that look actually look kind of cute and then i was and then i was like and he puts it in his mouth and he like squishes it i literally like almost threw up and i was like i have that has never happened <laughs> i like i gagged like twice and i was like oh my god i was just like this is horrible right. oh, that second but one, also, you're like i might lose it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was like I was like I thought it was the penis that would like throw me over the edge, but it was like exploding. But this one was like this is disgusting. Because at the same time, I was like, first off, I would never want to eat the octopus because I've seen it and I don't want to. And then like the little eyes, and he was sad, and I was like, oh. His tentacles touch his face. He's like, no. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, Inez, like, how can they top the penis explosion? They did with like, to me, that was like another one. I was like, I can't even imagine what's in store this season. But um, <laughs> as far as the redemptive arc, I don't think the deep is going to be redeemed. At, and like, to be honest, it just keeps getting worse because he's just faking his redemption. So in, um, I don't think we should even care about that. The more thing is like what he's willing to do to stay on the seven. And if that means like eating Homelander's a friend gonna be yeah yeah if he did <laughs> right. that then like homelander is just gonna use him and abuse him <laughs> there's no point in trying to look for any kind of redemption redemptive arc he did i feel like he did have like some genuine growth in the second season and i do feel like his connection with like the animals and stuff is like a real genuine thing that he does care about on like an authentic level but i think that just makes the whole scene with poor Timothy way worse is that he does genuinely really care about Timothy. That is his friend. And he still fucking ate him just because he's that terrified of Homelander. And he's that desperate to just get to live the life of the free past life, the get out of jail free life, you know, that he did when he's on the seven. Honestly, like eating Timothy wasn't the worst scene for me. The I think the worst scene for me was the deep when he's like fucking his wife and staring <laughs> and at a octopus. pulsating octopus yeah. on a fucking aquarium. That right, that, was that made Timothy? me fucking gag. I don't know if that was Timothy. It made me wonder if it was Timothy because then it's like, wait, like, so you're fucking like Timothy in your head? <laughs> like, what, you know, is, is that what fucking happened? Is that what they're like making me go through right now? Yeah. Is Both of whole, those like, scenes. <laughs> yeah. And they were like really close together. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like too much. Like the, the, the penis scene in season one, like that, that one didn't make me sick. Like that didn't like 
make me like gag or anything. That was like really, really like entertaining thought train stuff that that went through. And I appreciated that. But this, this was like just fucking sick on a whole other level. Now we're talking about like pornography or be with like animals or like, who knows? Now it makes me curious. Like how many animals has he like raped? How many, like an octopus to me, like, so I eat mostly vegan and, and most of it is like for health reasons and a big part, you know, and then another part element of it, you know, an emotional connection that I do have with animals and octopus are like amongst my favorite creatures on earth. And so I think that might've been like the extra sting on this, especially with like the, the, the sex scene is mm. like, how could you guys do this to my poor octopus? Like in my head now, I know like the vulnerability and all this stuff. So that that made me that made me worse. So yeah, I him being invited back to the seven by Homelander is a completely a flex from Homelander to Starlight. I don't think that Starlight is really like like shaken by the deep because she's so, I think she's more shaken by Homelander. She ge- has a genuine fear of him because he can like kill her. And I think like she has like confronted and established like a dominance like over the deep in some capacity. And I don't think him coming back into it and she's still kind of like a leadership role is going to impact her negatively. I think it was like Homelander's like big fuck you to her just to say that he can't. And then also, yeah, to have another tool that he can like do and say whatever he wants and who will do and say whatever um, he's like demands of them. Man, I don't care what happens to the deep really overall, but the, the length that Homelander is willing to, to go through just for a, a petty, you know, fuck you at, at, at starlight is, scary because he's also an unstoppable killing machine i mean in the most literal sense that the show's universe can have there no one can do anything about if he does decide to go with go through with armageddon so yeah and but he's also up for playing head games about eating octopuses and stuff That was just, and it was like, I, I think you said it, like, the pettiness is just like, while well, like, I just love him so much in, a, in the character sense of like, he's just crazy. Like, I did not see the, when they brought out the food, I was like, okay, the lobster thing was okay, but I did not see the octopus I mean, thing coming. move, but um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, of course. And, and you kind of don't feel sorry for the deep, but you feel more sorry for like the octopus. But um, yeah, it was just, oh. I don't know. I guess when you can kill anyone at the, you know, laser eye um, thing, you know, it's like when people have it all, like they're rich and everything, but they still have issues because there's like what they're bored or something. Right. So I guess Homelander's in that sense, like he could kill everyone that like snaps at him. He could kill Starlight in a snap if he wanted to, but he doesn't because I think, you know, like you said, like the head games like turn him on more than like, you know, just killing people like that would be no fun. Uh, another person who's deep in head games that we need to cover is uh, Victoria, a new character that was introduced last season, is involved with that behind-the-scenes marriage that Inez mentioned earlier between Vought and the government, some kind of long game uh, of whom we believe Stan Edgar's probably the architect, maybe not, maybe he's just carrying out a longer corporate uh, plan that was always President Vought, but let's just give Stan credit because he seems pretty smart. 
Is there anything that, that we're missing there that, that, that you guys have thought might come out still or that we're missing with that story that we got, which is she was adopted by Stan as a teenager, raised from that point, put in a powerful position. Now there's, I mean, there's obviously some kind of benefit that can uh, exist between uh, the head of an agency meant to police superpowered people and then the head of the company that produces <laughs> superpowered people being family that's you know not obviously supposed to happen what do you guys think might be the end game there what what do you think stan's got in mind or, or is it just having that kind of insurance policy where things will never get that bad as long as she's in charge of the government agency It's a really good question. I think so far, my interpretation of this is a way to keep like a checks and balances with like the soups that might get like out of control, give Stanley an opportunity to have like a cleaning crew (laughs) or something like, you know, to be able to like take them out, like a legal agency that kind of gets to like take them out or whatever. Um, And also um, gives the opportunity for you know, having somebody who is a soup that's like on your side that nobody knows has that kind of power and he knows all of that stuff. I mean, I think it's just about maximizing his like extent of power. So like by proxy, not only does he have the full like reach of what Vought does, but he now also has like a hand in like the governing body that's supposed to keep him in check. And then that's a thing. So it's just about like creating fake optics to make it seem like, oh, like they're against each other, working together, we get each other, whatever. And it's just any capitalism, kind of, every, every billionaire that exists, like it's just about like expanding power and being able to keep all of their power and money. Did you guys watch the Diabolical animated series? No, I didn't. There's mm-hmm. an episode... I think was uh, written and produced by uh, Rick and Morty producer Justin Roiland, who covers the idea of the Vought adoption home idea, and it's and it's really spelled out there. This idea that it's been exposed in in the both shows that parents knowingly gave their kids the medi- the the drug the V in hopes that they would develop superpowers and then selfishly the parents would you know acquire some sort of acclaim for for even just being on the the posse of the superhero right but in some cases it doesn't work out the power that they get sucks and (laughs) that's the point of the show is that or the the animated episode is that these are people with terrible powers and the parents for one reason or another couldn't raise them anymore or were not interested in raising them anymore because they and they had powers that that were either dangerous or ugly or because th- it was animated so they could make it any kind of thing right when Huey went to the adoption agent or the adoption home and there were the kids there that that were acting the way they were that re- clearly reminded me of of that episode of the animated episode and um made me put me in that headspace of well, her parents did this to her her power reminds me of um, different comic book characters. It's not that she can blow up heads. It's that she can create small explosions. So like when she got into the fight with Tony, 
she couldn't really focus because she was in the middle of the fight. So her little bombs went off just kind of random places. They still hurt. They still did devastating, you know, life-ending damage, but they weren't the head blower, the head popper from last season. And I think Mm -hmm. that takes a lot of focus to get that little explosion right in the middle of the head to do that, right? Otherwise you miss and you just blow off the jaw like she did with, with Tony. So I think that's really her power. But you could see if you were a, a parent that had done that, you'd given your your kid the V and their superpowers that they can make little explosions that might freak out a lot of parents and make and consider this adoption alternative as a as a path forward for them and just I don't know try again with another kid that's i guess all the background that went in went through my head <laughs> when i was thinking about about her her background and how she got to be who she who she was i think that's probably going to create a, a fairly damaged adult regardless of having a, a, a rich uh, adopted adopted dad and being a, um, a congresswoman i think she's probably going to wind up either she's she's going to be strong up to a point and when she breaks it might be bad it might be really devastatingly bad for everybody around her maybe um that's not good for her daughter um (laughs) if if that happens um but i don't know i think um you guys have interesting um, theories of like what the purpose is for her and it does seem obviously the control like what better way to you know hide in plain sight and know who they're hunting and and like you know um but i think for me i i guess i'm a little bit more i'm i'm thinking it's also a thing not that there's like soups that are coming out of everywhere right like you know um randomly it could be a way like to to kind of like uh, see if there's like any other cool powers you know or like another explosion one that can be used by Vought. and mm. so like they can make them disappear in like oh yeah we're we caught this person but then they like take them to you know Vought and train them like they did with her and then possibly there could be maybe something where they find someone who could be, you know, um, I mean, Homelander's the issue, but like another powerful, you know, super, super kid that they can hone and, and um, sort of, you know, brainwash as well. So I feel like it's a way to control the ones who are out of control and then to find the ones that could be useful as well. Because after all, Vought's behind everything or, yeah. or a Vought affiliate <laughs> with, <Yeah. laughs> with victoria it's like an, uh, an army built in like you they're finding the soups and then they can either make them disappear like yeah we killed them but not really and then they go funnel into wherever they need to put them if there's any character that i come across that i feel like has a fair chance in taking out homelander it would be her first i don't know i don't know how her explosions work you know if it's something about like connecting with something like inside like the body and making it explode from inside out or something to like she could totally do it but now it's since we know she's in cahoots with with Vought, that'll never happen. Also, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if this is the final season either. So I imagine if Homelander dies, it's got to be in like whatever season's the very last one of the show. That does seem like, like the climax. A, yeah. Yeah. That. But. Um, but anyway, it was just kind of like a just like a curiosity, like uh, creative train that I was on. With all of these powers, it's never. It's not like we ever get uh, like a dossier on who has what and to what ability. We just have to see in action but the show is mostly about the characters and the interpersonal relationships and we get to see the action of the powers very infrequently so we just have very little to go on we know he has tough skin maybe even unbreakable skin but does that mean what does that mean his organs are are they also as tough or is it just you know nothing ever gets through to them so they're never really put to the test 
Yeah, I always wonder. I was <laughs> wondering, like, uh, can he even be knocked out? Like, I don't, I don't think that we've ever seen him in that kind of like vulnerable position of, of being knocked out. And I thought, oh, we can just do like they did with Translucent Man, <laughs> explode from the from the butt in words. <laughs> I digress. Who's our next character up? I only have I only have one more side character. She doesn't have much on screen time. Her uh, departure did leave me with a question. I'm talking about Stormfront. She mm. she's a a fragment of her former self on life support, and it's revealed that she hideously uh, bites her own tongue to swallow it and commit suicide. Mm. This reminded me. You guys ever watched Sons of Anarchy? No. Yeah. Remember the character played by the actual guy who made up um, Sons of Anarchy, who was in prison, and they were leaning on him to talk. And instead of talk, he bit off his own tongue so that he couldn't talk. Oh, yes. Reminded me of that guy. Hardcore. Do you suppose that she killed herself because she couldn't stand to live like this anymore? Or do you think it was something else, something that she wanted to use her death because her life probably couldn't amount to much in that state anymore anyway at least not you know according to her own standards doing that is what helped set homelander free mentally and emotionally you know as destructive as that may be for the rest of us she didn't really give a shit about the rest of us right she did care about him though so what do you guys think did you guys read into her suicide at all yeah actually i think that's true because like she she loved homelander like actually like really loved him like in love and like wanted to be with him it's that thing you know you if if you if you love someone set them free <laughs> and in, in her own way because he would come to her i think like you know he was having rough days he was getting through this press tour you know trying to make amends trying to be the good homelander you know because they have this like dirt on him and then he would go to her get the handy and like just vent and you know i think he that would help him through right and then he would do it again every single day for like the year and i think she realized that like this is not the homelander i love you know like i need him to be unleashed and so the last time when like it was his birthday you know she doesn't like acknowledge him and he's like okay whatever you know and then you see the tear come down her eye right and and so it made sense like i think she knew like oh if i'm still here kind of feeding it like feeding him you know kind of giving him that little bit of support where like he's i'm the only one that can be here for him so he doesn't like go off and do what he needs to do like i think yeah i think she totally would have done that because she was so you know sadistic and crazy and in, in, in her thinking and then she loved home and under so much it makes total sense that she would do that because she knows like that would set him off because then it did and he was just like what's the point you know <laughs> And then he forced that girl to suicide herself. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. That was horrible. That's a really good perspective. I I think I was more like on the um, the superficial, practical part of it. Like, it's been a year that she's been in this bed, and the most that she can do is get out some shallow words and breaths, and then like have cup her hand enough to be his jerk off machine, like whenever he needed to like blow off some steam. That's a really shitty way of living. And, you know, he's not even like entertaining. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if and he's not even like entertaining like what she wants him to say, right? She'll say something. He's just like, no, no. Like she's like, well, for the for the master race or whatever. And then he like scoffs and no, and then like gets mad at her that he no longer is like can finish. It does totally make sense adding your perspective to the story that um, she's had to listen to him vent about fake apologizing to the world about their relationship and what was really going on in the relationship. And I can definitely see how that would definitely be like a, a final act of kindness and sacrifice for him. Also, like it doesn't sound like he like made her daily existence like any better. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. He's still highly selfish uh, even with it's her. just for him yeah. yeah he goes in i'm like just starts venting start like just he doesn't like say anything right he just like starts like undoing himself and putting himself in her hand and like and then like gets and then he's and then it's her fault that like that's what got him off was like her 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 keeping to her agenda <laughs> i'm trying to roll with it and then what's like ironic right is like he like acts so like, no, like, that's not, like, what this is, right? So making, I think, like, he believes that he's not a, a Nazi kind of character. But then it's, like, contradictory to, like, everything that you see um, from him in his actions. Um, like, what was it, season two, where where he, like, destroyed that um, the guy who was blind? And that was like their top candidate. So they would be like inclusiveness of, of disabilities or whatever, because he had like super, like hearing, super right. hearing. Yeah. Right. And he was like, like crushed him and incapacitated him for life, like really making him blind and now and, and deaf. Um, like he's disgusted with that, that he's like disgusted with, um, with the fact that uh, the, you know, that, that the starlight wanted the, um, silver kincaid to be on the team even though she did have the best numbers and he's proclaimed right i'll like like i'll never have a muslim on this team this is an american team or whatever and even though she's like from the united states and then you know his like big his big saving grace where he decides to be his authentic self out there and then they they praise him for his uptick in popularity and then even make a point of saying amongst white males <laughs> like your uptick is because of like up white males and that gets him hard yeah and he gets like really excited about that and it's like man like he could have been like she's like this is the kind of stuff that stormfront would have loved uh and he you know he's like was disgusted about it like when she would bring it up but he really is like basking in that exact same agenda and just told it a different way but i know like you said stormfront was like your last one but but this conversation made me think about eminem's ex-wife's boyfriend as you recall when he when Homelander is, you know, first of all, he, this character, he seems minor right now, but I think that he's going to mm. play an important role in like representing our, pers our ability to see how, you know, people in powers, like words do impact their followers in the way that it does in real life. So I can see how, like, you know, he was Homelander for his, his stepdaughter's, uh, birthday party and then you know he's sitting there watching homelander give his big like speech thing on there and you see him like light like up, yeah. light up and like gravitate toward the tv and he's like i'm about this message like i didn't take that as a like i'm shocked this was like a 
Like I'm empowered in the same way that we saw people do that with Stormfront when Stormfront was talking in the season two. Um, so I think that's interesting. You know, I missed, I missed that connection, but that's great. Inez. I think, uh, Without being overly cruel or specific, they've made the character. I'm not going to say the actor, anything about the actor. I'm just saying they've made the character portray a very certain modern TV version of like an anti-masculine guy, right? Just like sweater vests and beards and big googly glasses and stuff. That's like not the... uh, I won't say toxic masculinity kind of profile that you've seen in in other you know lots of tv shows but i will say it's 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 more modern i don't know what in touch with his feelings kind of guy <laughs> that that is getting a lot more popularity with the white male characters of tv today that's what i noticed about the guy but then i did notice him light up with that that homelander speech that is interesting to see that connection made him uh made him feel it just then good call my That's the end of part one. Be sure to look for part two for our coverage of episodes one, two, and three of season three of The Boys. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.